Greetings members old and new, and welcome back to the Possibility Department, your one-stop shop for the modern-day occultist. If you find yourself entertaining the possibilities of anything and everything when it comes to the great unknown, then this is the place for you. My name is Luciana and I'll be your host as we dive into what I like to call spiritual and psychological templates for living our lives, interpreting our lives, and creating change in our lives. Take what you like, toss what you don't, and remember that what we talk about on this podcast is just as far-fetched as the concept of any higher power. Alright, let's talk about some weird sh- Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Possibility Department Podcast. In this episode, I'm going to talk a little bit about meditation, Um, the many faces of meditation, the different ways of doing it, and kind of my take on what it means, but I can't go any further without thanking my sponsor level patrons. These are the patrons on level three and level four on Patreon, and throughout this episode, you're going to hear me talk about the meditation library quite a bit, which is uh, a library that I built on Patreon. It has many meditation tracks, and uh, these patrons on level three and level four get access to all of those meditations, so thank you so much for your support. Benna, Sandra, Brianna, Jewel, Amy, Susie, Mariella, Erica, Brittany, Ingrid, Tara, Joanne, Noel, Sarah, and Luna. Thank you so much for your support, and without further ado, please enjoy this episode on meditation. Today I wanted to talk about, theorize more, on meditation. And what is it? Why does it help? How do we define it? It has so many different definitions. You'll notice that there are many different types, and one could argue that some of the more guided types, you know, are those even meditation? Is that considered meditation if you're not entirely clearing your mind? What exactly is the benefit? And I think it's the part that a lot of us skip on our sort of journey in spirituality or the occult or mindfulness or even just self-development, right? Meditation does not have to be a spiritual practice whatsoever. It can just be purely a, a psychological benefit. And it's something that we often skip because it's terribly unsexy, <laughs> right? It's just, especially if you found your way into uh, the occult community because you're looking for, I don't know, big changes, something that feels big and, and exciting and... um almost instant. I think a lot of people come to things like this because they're looking for some sort of instantaneous change and then they're disappointed when when they realize that changes are often not instantaneous. You cannot skip steps. Whether you are baking a cake or whether you are changing yourself internally, there are steps that you have to take. You can certainly make it easier in a lot of ways. You can certainly make it more fun and more effortless and perceive the process differently, but you can't skip steps. And uh, I think a lot of people come to this realm wanting to skip steps. I certainly did. But meditation is often a part that we kind of, I think we, we try to skip because it's difficult. Um, in today's world, you know, we're checking our phones, we're all constantly checking the news, and we're all constantly thinking. It's really hard to turn off, although it may not be entirely impossible to turn off or at least to tune down or turn down. And that's what meditation is for. It's for turning down the knob. You know, it's we're everyone uses this example of a radio, but I think it's really great that 
you know, we're constantly having maybe all of this different noise blaring in, you know, when you you're tuning, (laughs) you're turning the knob on a radio and it's like you get a little bit from three different channels. You're in that like weird in-between state where it's just like noise and static and a guy talking and a woman singing and it, it's like you're getting all of this different input. And meditation is kind of like turning down the volume and tuning in on one specific point and focusing on that one specific point. Now, the definitions of that and the ways that people go about that are pretty wide and vast. Um, There are forms of meditation where I believe from my understanding, the objective is to clear your mind entirely. I would argue that that's probably the hardest one. (laughs) Clearing your mind entirely of everything is difficult. There are different forms of like concentration meditation where you you keep your eyes open and you physically look at an object and you focus just on that object and perceiving that object. For me, when I do this, I usually do it with a candle flame. I find that to be really helpful to have a visual focal point to look at. And I think that that's really useful for people who have issues with visualization, which we'll get into as well, which brings us to the next form of uh, meditation, which is a guided meditation. These are the ones that I post all over Patreon if you're a member, um, especially level three. If you're a member of level three, you have access to a lot of different uh, meditations and what I like to call like little charms and chants and kind of like mini forms of meditation. But a guided meditation is essentially, you know, a guide, me on a microphone maybe, is taking you sort of on this storyline and you're clearing everything else out of your mind and you're just focusing on that storyline. And typically there's a benefit at the end of that storyline. So for example, I have a meditation that I created called the karmic spin cycle, where you sort of envision yourself spinning out old patterns, like old patterns spinning out of your spin cycle, and then spinning in new patterns that you want into your spin cycle. And I think that that's it's, it, it's helpful because it provides a container. Again, it's all about providing a container for your ideas. We can sit around all day and get nervous and think about how we don't want to do these old things anymore. We don't want to live these old patterns anymore. We want to bring in new patterns. But it's, it's just that. It's just a fleeting thought as long as you allow it to be a fleeting thought. By sitting down with an intention and visualizing it in a meditation or, you know, maybe even performing a ritual with it or something like that, that gives you what I always talk about, that gives you sort of like that checkpoint in your mind where where you can sort of seal it in like, oh yeah, I actually am doing this. I, I saw it. I saw myself put those negative patterns that I want to get rid of in this, this little spin cycle and I spun it out and I spun it away and now it's gone. And, and you can remember that almost as if it's a memory because you visualized it in your mind. I've talked about something similar that I like to do that I learned from a book called Norse Magic by uh, DJ Conway. And the author talks about how before doing any kind of, I guess you could say mindfulness work or spiritual work or anything that's intentional, to visualize yourself walking past a well and you take all of your troubles and your stress and your burdens and everything that's just kind of weighing on your psyche and you drop it into a well. And I love this because I practice it when I remember to. And it's really great because I can I can picture it as as what it is. First of all, it allows me to give a form to whatever issues I'm having, you know. So like, let's say I'm having 
I don't know, financial issues or something. I can visualize, you know, the number of my bank balance or I can visualize that stress as a big shadow or whatever. And I can drop it into this well and I can visualize it dropping almost like a like that cartoon sound you remember from like the old cartoons like Tom and Jerry when something would drop from really high into a well you're like (laughs) and then it hits the water and in my mind's eye you know in the screen of my mind I can see that that's all the way down there in that well and I can't jump down to go get it so now I have to leave it there you know now I now I have to leave it there It's very interesting when you start working out sort of these storylines in your mind with visualization, with conjuring up these senses. You're not going anywhere. You're not doing anything. It's all mentally. But the the way it works, it works in a very real way because in a real way, that's a memory in my mind now. I I remember that I dropped that all down in that well and I don't want to go in the well. (laughs) I don't want to go get it, you know, so for, for the extent of the rest of my meditation or the rest of my practice, those worries can't bother me because they're in the well. They can't reach me. So it's it's very interesting. And I think a great place to start is some form of meditation if you're just dipping your toe into this stuff. And even if you're not, it's a great back to basics to consistently come back to. So one of the reasons why it's difficult to define meditation is because meditation means, you know, the placing your attention and your focus on one thing and one thing only, but it can also mean the study of something or the um, reflection or introspection on a certain subject. So, for example, there's the book Meditations by Marcus Aurelius, right, one of the Stoic philosophers, and that book is essentially, you know, the the reflections of Marcus Aurelius throughout uh, his life. And it's called meditations. You know, he was journaling and writing and sort of, quote, meditating. But that was as as he was writing, as the thoughts were arising, he was reflecting. So you'll often hear people say, oh, I'm going to meditate on that. It, it can mean I'm just going to focus on it. And then the other definition is you know, kind of what I just outlined, that it can be a guided meditation of sorts, or you can attempt, as I often do, to sit and clear your mind of all things. And with that one, it's usually recommended to just focus on your breathing in and out. And I personally find that one to be most difficult. And it's something that I'm still working on because I believe it does have benefits. I also believe that it's entirely difficult to define because it's this act of placing your attention in one place. And I would argue that, you know, maybe being in certain trance states that are induced by dance, that are induced by drumming, I would, it's my perception that that would also be considered a form of meditation. So I think meditation, in essence, has probably existed in some form, has probably existed in every culture throughout the timeline. I think every culture has practiced some form of meditation, the one that we are most, I don't want to say familiar with, because I'm not entirely sure if we're familiar with the original practice itself, but the one that we see most popularly depicted in the media, I think, is probably um, forms of maybe Vedic or Hindu meditation or Buddhist or uh, Taoist meditation. But even then, what we see in the media is probably a much more appropriated version of that. 
But the act, if we strip everything back and look at what meditation is in general, just across cultures, it's kind of that focus on one thing. I think my argument would be that, you know, across history, people looking and gazing into fires and looking into the stars and gazing at the stars and people, you know, dancing in circles. I I personally would consider that all of that a form of meditation itself. And I think it exists in, in Christianity too, which we often don't think of, but I believe there's records in like the 10th century of Christian meditation where it was repetition of prayer, kind of like a mantra, how we would see a mantra today. And then also using breathing techniques during prayer, engaging in something called, I believe, prayer of the body or full body prayer, engaging um, your senses and your breath with prayer. And so all of this to say that I'm not entirely sure that there is a right or wrong way to meditate. And the reason why I want to talk about that is because I get that as a question a lot. I feel like a lot of people say that they have trouble visualizing. And the thing is, is that I don't think you need to necessarily be visualizing anything if that's not something that appeals to you or if you're not good at that yet maybe you want to build that up as a skill maybe you don't it doesn't really matter i was reading an article called and it's an old article this is from december 2017 it's called the science of meditation by hugh delahanty i hope i'm saying this person's name right but it's an excellent article and it focuses around a man named richard davidson who is a psychology and psychiatry professor at the University of Wisconsin, I believe, and has a uh, PhD from Harvard. Um, He's a neuroscientist that's been studying meditation for a really long time, it seems. And so the article centers around him and his studies, and he wrote a book in collaboration with Daniel Goleman. Or I believe Daniel Goleman wrote the book, but in collaboration with Richard Davidson's experiments. And one of the things that concludes the whole article is this idea of uh, Davidson sort of thinking and believing that with the advancement of technology, we're going to be able to know and hopefully predict with more precision what kind of meditation is going to be most helpful to certain people because it is not a one-size-fits-all. So one of the things touched on in this article is something called like a compassion meditation or a loving kindness meditation. And so after years of of study, the conclusion is that there are different forms of meditation that are going to be more useful to different kinds of people. And I'm going to link this article as well as everything else that I've talked about in this podcast. So feel free to go through the links below. I thought this person's story, this professor's story was really interesting because it seemed that early on he had an interest in meditation and he when he wanted to write his dissertation on it um, for his PhD, I'm assuming, so I'm assuming this was at Harvard, he wanted to write his dissertation on meditation and he had a professor tell him that that would be a career-ending move, that he had a really hard time getting, you know, his various departments where he was working to be on board with the research of meditation. And then finally, he was able to conduct all of these different experiments. And so some of those experiments uh, yielded results like uh, putting a a group of students into a two-week mindfulness training, and it boosted their GRE exam scores by over 30%. It enabled people to be more empathetic, to express more empathy. But another conclusion, it seems, is that the effects of meditation 
don't necessarily last. It's not like a, a magic pill that you can take where you meditated once and then the effects of that meditation last. The calm that it provides and the mental health benefits that it provides and even some of the memory that it aids with apparently, those effects don't necessarily last forever. And so you have to be what he calls a meditator, <laughs> an avid meditator. Um, and he did studies with uh, individuals who meditated up to 62,000 hours in their lifetime, I think was the max. This person's name was ming Yur Ringposh. I, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I, I, I butchered that name. Um, but this person apparently had over 62,000 hours of meditation logged in their lifetime. They were an avid meditator. And they conducted experiments with uh, EEG uh, diagnostic tests, right? That's where it, it's that thing that looks very sci-fi-y where they put all the little wires on your head. Um, to give a definition, let me pull up an actual... So from the Mayo Clinic, it says, EEG is a test that detects electrical activity in your brain using small metal discs, electrodes, attached to your scalp. Your brain cells communicate via electrical impulses and are active all the time, even when you are asleep. So one of the experiments they conducted with, with this uh, master meditator was they hooked him up to this EEG machine and they asked him to generate compassion for 60 seconds. Uh, this is common in meditation, I think, is compassion, empathy, loving kindness. I think this is one of the things that makes meditation, quote, unsexy, and a lot of people sort of skip over it. Because <laughs> initially, I guess you're like, oh, I don't want to sit there and think compassionate thoughts. But uh, first of all, it's, uh, it's imagine a world where we were all more empathetic and compassionate. Wow. There are a lot of problems that we wouldn't have if we were all more empathetic and compassionate. And two, when you're empathetic and compassionate, I always talk about the domino effect of your life. I think that has a positive effect on the domino effect of your life. I think things change from there. And so not only does it benefit other people, which we should care about a lot, but in turn, it also just benefits you. So that's kind of a common theme in meditation is loving kindness meditation, compassion meditation, em empathy meditation. Um, and it's a benefit of meditation as well that you feel these emotions more intensely. So you're able to empathize with people more. Uh, and so this master meditator, they asked him to generate compassion for 60 seconds and then to rest for 30 seconds and repeat the cycle. And as soon as he started meditating, um, there was like this, I guess, surge of electrical activity that appeared appeared on the computer screens and at first they thought that maybe it was physical movement that he had moved uh, but he was not moving at all it was this huge surge in electrical activity as soon as he started meditating and generating that compassion and so this is kind of described as this almost like historic moment where they knew that they were really onto something and this book you can actually uh, buy if you're interested and now it's on my list after looking into this it's called Altered Traits Science Reveals How Meditation Changes Your Mind, Brain, and Body and that is by Daniel Goleman in collaboration with uh, Richard Davidson. Another thing that's really cool about long-term meditators is the uh, apparently, quote, extremely high levels of gamma wave oscillation, not only during meditation, but when they were resting as well, unquote. That was a direct quote. 
<laughs> and that sounds so sci-fi, right? That sounds like pseudoscience, right? It sounds like I'm sitting here talking about people with tinfoil hats, but that's not. <laughs> I encourage you to look at the book and the article. It's not, we're not talking about pseudoscience here. So bursts of these, quote, gamma raves are apparently kind of rare occurrences, uh, but not so much in these master meditators, apparently. And to pull another quote, it says, bursts of gamma waves are usually rare occurrences showing up for split seconds when the brain regions suddenly click together in harmony. How beautiful is that? So, you know, in short, meditation is a tool that is free. <laughs> we don't have to pay anything to meditate. So I think the, the overall theme of this episode is to encourage you to try and and don't feel limited to like one specific method or one specific mode. There's such a thing as walking meditation. I often do this uh, when I feel like I'm getting really tense or something. My partner always says when he can see me getting tense, he's like, go take a walk. And I'll either take a walk and try as much as possible to simply focus on the sounds and the feeling of the walk. So, you know, hearing the birds, noticing the ladybug on the leaf, like really just paying attention to the nature that I'm in. Or I will put on an actual meditation, maybe a guided one, maybe not, maybe some meditative music, maybe just the sound of some bells, something really soft, and I'll set the intention to focus just on that. And when I come back and I sit at my computer, I always feel better. I feel like I have more clarity. I feel like I don't need to do five out of the 10 things that I had on my to-do list, that those were useless tasks. Why did I have them there? It gives you a sense of, of I, I want to say a word that's deeper than clarity. It it allows you to, to see more clearly what you've been doing and what you need to do next. And so, I think that there are many different ways that you can go about this, which is why I create so many different tracks in my meditation library. Um, you know, I have like the affirmation tracks, I have the guided meditations, I have what I like to call audio spells, which is where we sort of conduct those actions that I've been talking about where you do it mentally. Like there's one called the intention letter and you visualize yourself, um, you know, placing your intention into a letter and then sort of sending it off. And it's just fun. So why not? You know, anyone who wants to make fun of me or you or anyone for engaging these things, that's fine because my life is, is fun and joyful because of those things, you know, and it's free. <laughs> I don't have to pay anything to visualize. I don't have to pay anything to take a walk and notice the ladybug and maybe say hi to the ladybug. You know, I these these are things that I have access to that make my life joyful. So why not use it? Why not tap into it? And why not tap into it in a way that's specific to you? And this is why I encourage you to try out different ways, you know, try the guided meditation, see if it works. Try just sitting in silence and see how that feels. Try staring at the candle flame and, and see if that invokes something or evokes something for you. Just stare at the, the clouds and watch them pass by. Stare at the stars. What feels good to you and what sounds exciting to you and, and go for that. And go for that and start there and start honing in on a practice around it. It doesn't have to look like anyone else's practice. Just find a starting point. Uh, because I really do think that it's beneficial to, to strip, again, we're stripping everything back from meditation and asking what is it. 
And to me, I think it's focusing on one thing. Focusing on one thing. So what's one thing you want to focus on? And it sounds basic and like it may not have effects on your life. But like I always say, life is a giant domino effect. And using a practice that allows you to focus on one thing that brings you back to that state, that brings you back to neutral, that gives you the clarity that you need to make the correct decisions. Because so much of the time, we find ourselves maybe even wasting time going down wrong roads or doing tasks that are maybe sort of like redundant or not needed. And it's because we're so overloaded. We're so stressed. We always have so much on our minds. We're always thinking of 45,000 things at once and everything just feels like another to-do on the to-do list. And so we just keep adding it and adding it and adding it. And sometimes when you look back, you realize maybe I, I didn't need to go down that road. Maybe I didn't want to go down that road. Maybe I, I didn't need to do those 10 extra tasks. Maybe I could have said no to that friend and not gone to that thing. Maybe I could have taken that time to myself. Maybe I could have had these boundaries or whatever it is for you. Everyone's story looks different. But I think cultivating a practice that brings you back to focus on one thing, whatever that one thing is for you, it's going to help you walk away with more clarity and it's going to help you walk away with more confidence in yourself and your actions. So again, I'm going to link this article for you to read on your own time if you want. But the way it opens up is, let me see if I can pull the quote. It says, Richard Davidson had always been a maverick. While other neuroscientists focused their attention on the mechanics of how to think harder and better, he was intrigued by a different question. What is a truly relaxed and focused mind capable of? I love this. And it's feeding into so much of what we've been talking about lately over on Patreon. Um, I've been reading Condensed Chaos. It's a book about chaos magic by Phil Hine. And as I read each chapter, I hop on a mic and I just kind of talk about uh, whatever comes up for me and, and ramble. And uh, one of the things that, that keeps coming up in the book that the author keeps touching on is this idea of relaxation, that relaxation is very powerful. It's so much more powerful than than we think it is. When we think of power, we always think of forward movement and fire and like go, go, go and hustle and everybody look at me. But power, maybe it actually comes from a state of relaxation because that that's that initial foundation where you make the decisions that are really going to count. That's where you come from the place where you're confident in who you are and you're not going to lead yourself down a destructive road. So relaxation might be the most powerful underdog that we've been ignoring for all this time. What is a relaxed mind capable of? What is a clear mind capable of? Relaxation is almost a sense of confidence intertwined with it, right? If you're relaxed, then on some level, you feel confident that things are okay. It's it's really beautiful. So I hope uh, this helped you in some way. I hope that you will uh, get creative and find a practice that fits you and that works for you. Don't let anyone else's standards kind of rain on your parade. Whatever feels good and works for you is perfect. And uh, also, if you sign up for my email list, you get a free track from my meditation library. 
It is an affirmation track. Uh, it's pretty short. I designed it so that you could listen to it while you're on a walk, so that you can listen to it just while you're staring out, out a window maybe for three minutes, kind of looking at a tree or the sky or whatever. It's designed to be kind of like an on-the-go, on-the-go um, open-eye meditation, if that makes sense. Um, and it's an affirmation track called I Am Abundant. And it's designed mostly for those moments when we're feeling stressy and we're feeling like we maybe don't have enough. Um, and the, the idea behind it is to, you know, look at your life as it is now and, and be grateful for the ways in which you do have enough, because that always makes us feel better and makes us feel more powerful and reminds us that we have things to be grateful for. Even if there are places where there are true lack, even if there are places where we do need or want more, um, it's always powerful to remember the things that we love and that we're grateful for and uh, really sort of revel in that. So that is a free track if you sign up for my email list and the link is in the description. And um, if you haven't already, I definitely hope that you will join us over on Patreon where I'm posting everything else. And I hope you're doing well. I hope this finds you well. And stay mysterious.